Thank you, Findlay, for reading that. So Acts 20 is a long chapter, and Finley read half of it, and I say that to say uh, there's just no way that we're going to cover everything. You guys know that. That's why it's really, really important to me that you read this and not just depend on uh, me uh, to tell you this. So this is a a team sport, a team effort. Uh, We all have something to learn. We all have something to teach. We all have an experience or something to share. And as each of us, as new followers, people that are interested or people that have been at this Christian thing for a long time, as we take in and take on these passages, uh, they speak to you differently than they do me. And uh, so let's, let's be faithful Bible readers. Let's come to church each week ready to hear. Now, I wonder how Miller's going to tackle this one. If it was up to me, I would have said this, but you said that. I appreciated that, or that was weird, whatever. Um, So this week we're doing Acts chapter 20, next week it's Acts chapter 21, Uh, easy to remember. Kathy alluded uh, to a lot of these things, and I just want to, again, bring your attention to the back of the uh, order of worship. A lot of really important things that go right into the vision and mission of our church are happening here at Central this month. Next week we're not going to have class, but we are going to meet at 9.30 to pray, There'll be prayer prompts. Don't be anxious about it. You don't have to pray out loud if you don't want to. But this is going to be a dedicated time of prayer focusing on the things that we hear ourselves praying about. For ourselves, about ourselves. Personal things. Don't let that scare you. I just want to tell you, Christians pray. The body of Christ prays. We pray. Take what we're dealing with and we give it to the Lord. It's a normal part of our Christian life. And we're going to do that together next week. Uh, On the the last day of uh, October, the 31st, uh, we're going to give God a good name. Out front, we're going to have tables set up. There's going to be lights, tons of candy, hot chocolate, coffee, maybe a fire pit. I don't know, s'mores. It's going to be a big time. But our whole goal is to tell the neighborhood there's a church of normal people. There's a church of normal people that come here and we do things and we want to be important in this neighborhood. And important means pointing you to Jesus and meeting needs that you have. So if you can join us out there, that'd be good. I know a lot of people have a Halloween traditions with your, with your family and friends. That's great. But if, if you find yourself without something, listen, this is a good time out here. It's very, very fun. Uh, very fun. All right, very good. Uh, read through this. Put it on your calendars, your phones. All these things. Good. What we're going to be talking about today is very personal. It's very personal. I hope you hear me talking with you and not preaching to you. It's not the intention. The topic today is going to challenge you at the deepest levels. It did me. It is me. It's doing that to me. Just kind of get ready for that. If you feel yourself like getting bristled and pushing back, just try to break through and just listen. 
We can always talk about it. We can always go out for coffee. We can always dialogue about this. Um, anyone that knows me, you know I'm sensitive um, in general. Thank you. Uh, sensitive. Uh, but I'm sensitive to the fact that... Steve, did you nudge her to do that? Was that... I am sensitive. Uh, but I'm sensitive to the fact that I'm speaking to you in our kind of Western tradition. There's not a time for you to speak back. And I think that the best way to engage with Holy Scripture is in dialogue. And so let this be, hopefully, conversation starters where we can uh, discuss these things today. Father in Heaven, we come to you today asking you to open um, the deepest parts of our hearts the why we do what we do parts, the truth that we actually do the things that we do parts. Challenge us, Lord God, with your love and your forgiveness. Draw us in with your mercy, your generosity and your faithfulness. Compel us with the life that you've lived. How you encourage us to join you in that life. In Christ's name, amen. So I want to give a, a kind of where we are in the world. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, this is uh, Paul's third missionary journey. And here in, in Acts chapter 20, there's a, like a, somebody hit the fast forward key. It starts in Antioch again. He's going through Asia, Ephesus. There's that big riot in Acts 19. He stays till that's kind of cleaned up a little bit. Things calm down a little bit. And then up north they go towards Macedonia, uh, modern day Greece, uh, northern Aegean Sea, that area. And then in just a couple verses, they like whip around that handle, Acacia, and then back up through. It's, it goes really, really, really fast until they get to, well, they get to Troas, there's this uh, great story about, a, about Paul. It says that he's preaching on and on and on. It's really, a, really funny. If you're wondering if there's humor in Scripture, uh, Luke, I think, is poking Paul a little bit there because they're in Troas. It's the first day of the week. Paul's preaching. It says it's getting late on, but he's wanting to get all these, these things in because they're getting ready to leave. And so Luke says that Paul is, is, is preaching on and on. And sitting in this seat is this young man named Eutychus, uh, sitting in a window, third story. That's why there's building and fire codes now. But he's sitting in this third story while the pastor's going on and on and on. He falls asleep and falls to his death. He's raised to life. And it says, uh, like in the greatest understatement of all, and like the people celebrated. Yeah, right, yeah. The, the people took the young man home alive with great comfort. Yes, I'd say so, for sure. And so we, again, Troas, then all the way back around, and, and, and where we're coming today, Paul's in kind of this uh, hurry to get back to Jerusalem. He wants to get back to Jerusalem uh, for the Feast of Pentecost. And so they're, they're coming down the eastern side of the Aegean Sea uh, there, and they, they pass by Ephesus, and the, the Scripture is very illicit here, because Paul knew that if he stopped there, his visit would just be too long. It'd be too long. And so they sail past Ephesus, and they land in Miletus, and he calls for the elders of the church 
of Ephesus to come meet us, meet him in Miletus. And that doesn't sound like any big deal. Even on this map, it doesn't look like that far away. It's only 36 miles about. But what Paul was asking is, I'm going to be down here. Will you please walk 30 miles and spend time with me? That speaks to their connection. Because we see, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and when they arrived. What would you walk 36 miles for? Interesting enough question to me, but this shows their love. It shows their dedication. It shows their commitment. It shows their camaraderie, their Christ-likeness. That's a word. Their connection in Christ. And so they come down. And something to, interesting to hear, because in our, in our modern minds, we say, uh, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Uh, they didn't have a church in Ephesus building, 3501 Cheviot, probably it was a lot of godly men who Paul trained to be elders and they were shepherds or pastors of their, the church that met in their homes. Probably. And there was probably hundreds of homes. Ephesus was a very, very, very big city. Uh, that's where eventually we'll learn that Timothy went to be a young pastor, was in Ephesus. And so, these elders that shepherd their home churches, they came to Miletus to spend this time with Paul. And in Acts, we've heard Paul the preacher preaching the greatness of God, preaching mercy and forgiveness and repentance and turn to the Lord. We, we've heard him talk about the resurrection of Jesus. We've heard Paul persuading people. We've heard him as a preacher. We've heard him as a persuader. But here today, we hear him as a pastor. It's just leader to leader, godly man to godly man. Trying to get our story straight, encouraging each other to continue to lead the body of Christ. Which is not easy, as you know. It's not easy staying a Christian. It's not easy choosing every day to follow the Lord. It's not easy leading a local body. It's not. These men have chosen to. Paul calls for them. And they walk those 36 miles. And they spend that time. And he leads off with this. And this is what compelled me so much this, uh, these past two weeks as I've been thinking about this. Paul says, you know how I lived. Pastor to pastor. Listen. You know how I lived. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the very first day I came to Ephesus, to the province of Asia, you know how I lived. We're going to get into that in just a minute. How our life preaches something. When I was a kid, there was this thing called TV. And it's, it's not, it wasn't just the square things on the walls. There was actually channels, 
and things like that. And if you didn't have cable, or even before there was cable, you had these ears, these bunny ears, that you had to position certain ways. And usually the youngest kid had to stand near them because the bad channel would only come in if, if the kid was you know, standing on his left leg doing these things. Uh, anyway, we stream things now. Uh, that thing that you stream it on, that's still called a TV. But it's just different how we engage with it. But when I was a kid, and maybe before, probably starting in the 70s, there was these things called infomercials. And you got Billy Mays, and you got Ron Patil, and you got Vince Offer, and you got these guys up there, and they rocked TV from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. They were all over television. And if you couldn't sleep, you could click on any channel, no matter where the ears were, and you could grab one of these guys telling you you needed something, telling you how great the clapper was. Clap on, clap off, the clapper. You needed that thing. You needed a chia pet because anybody could be a, a gardener. And, and, and now you can have a chia pet in Bob Ross with his afro even. You can get the Snuggie because uh, blankets just don't work. Uh, blankets really need to have arms and then pouches for things. And then they upgraded that to the, uh, what is it? the, the Snuggie Sherpa. They upgraded it to the Snuggie Sherpa that had really furry things, and it felt really, really good. And I'm not offending anyone here if you have any of these things. You could get the magic ear, and you can't read it, uh, but it says uh, it's really discreet. It looks like you're just using a portable radio. And so when you're in church and you can't hear, and you plug in the magic ear, people won't think anything except that you're just listening to the radio. It's fine. <laughs> It's very discreet, but that's the magic here. The Ginsu knives, listen, they can cut through aluminum cans, y'all, and then slice a tomato perfectly. They can do it. The Ginsu knife can do these things. You got the Nutra chopper, and this is my favorite one, the Squatty Potty. The Squatty Potty, and I want to read to you what this says. Squatty Potty. Unkink your colon. Bring home the quality in class that's been created because we're number one at number two. The Squatty Potty. And if you match that with their best-selling, world-renowned toilet seat, you got a real thing going. But over all of these, by far my favorite was the Sham Wow. This guy, Vince Offer, uh, he, like a wild man, like in real life, a wild man. And it came through with his infomercials. But this is one of his creations. And he came out with the Sham Wow, then several years later, he upgraded it to the super absorbent Sham Wow, which, I'll have you know, not only can be used for spills, cleaning, and drying, but it can hold up to 12, 12 times its own weight without dripping. That's what he's, see, no drips, Vince is saying. It can hold 12 times its weight without dripping. Infomercials were a big deal. But for me, maybe you, they left me asking, does this stuff really work? Is this going to change my life like Billy Mays says it's going to change my life? Is Vince really right that the sham wow is going to change my life? Is it as advertised? Does this stuff actually work? Has, did anybody ever buy a Ginsu knife and chop through an aluminum can and then Perfectly chop a tomato. I never tried that one. But this question, I think, for me anyway, is this stuff really real?
Is it going to do everything that Vince says it's going to do? Does Ron really know what he's talking about? Is Billy just blowing smoke or is he really trying to change my life here? Does this stuff actually work? And I'm convinced that the same questions are being asked about Christianity. Is this all it's popped up to be? All, is it, is, are Christians really all they are cropped up to be? Is this stuff really real? Can I believe you? Are you someone that I can believe in? Or do I just look at you like a Billy Mays on an infomercial just trying to sell me something? And it begged me to ask this question, David, what kind of Christian am I? What kind of of Christian are you? I'll give it to Billy and Ron and all those guys because they put themselves out there. They put them out there and they shouted it. And I don't, I don't know if they cared about their reputation or not, or maybe they were really just trying to sell stuff. I don't know. But they put it out there. Am I a Christian that, that I don't even put it out there? I'm a solitary Christian. I'm a quiet Christian. I don't tell anybody that I'm a Christian. I don't talk about the Lord. I don't speak the name of Jesus. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, nothing. Well, if you're a part of this church, you're, you're doing something. There's a, there's a lot of things. But are you keeping it to yourself? Do people see you out there trying to be pushy and just sell stuff? Do they hear you talking about you need to come to my church and this church? Or do they hear you talking about Jesus the Christ, the Lord? And listen, I love our church. I want to be a part of the church. Lord, I have chosen to be a part of this church. I don't want to be a part of another church. But if it comes, I'm going to point people to Jesus, and then they can choose church. I, I think going to church... And being obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ is a natural outcome of a heart given over to the Lord. And as long as they go to a church that preaches Jesus, the holy word, scripture, wrestle, difficult, engage, team sport, I'm down. That's good. I want to point people to Jesus and let them choose church. But we get into this, and people are asking all of the time, Is this the real you? Because what I'm trying to convince you of today, that how you live your life helps determine what kind of a name Jesus has with those that you influence. People that look to you, trust you, care about you, think you're cool, depend on you, ask you advice. Are you the real you and can I trust you? Can I trust that when you're talking to me about Jesus, that you have my best interest in mind? That this is really is eth- um, ethical, not ethical, it's genuine, what you're saying. And in Acts chapter, seven, or Acts chapter 20, verse 18, we hear Paul say, you, you know how I lived among you. This isn't an infomercial, y'all. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to convince you something that's not true. You know how I lived. And I was with you for years. Paul was in Ephesus for two years. He was in Asia for longer than that. But he was in the churches at Ephesus for two years. You can't fake it for two years. A sociopath maybe can. But a normal person without a mental illness cannot fake it for two years. And he says, you know how I lived when I was with you, 
And not as the preacher, and not as the persuader, but as the pastor. He says, come on guys, we've got to let our lives preach. It's not just what you believe. It's not just the things that you say, but it's how you live your life. Parents, you know that this is true. From the time people were as old as Iris, all eyes were on you. Your kids' eyes are on you. They're watching you. If you're out there in any way, I'm very cognizant of this, that any time I put on a uniform, people are paying attention to me. I'm very, 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 very well aware of that. One of the rules for the guys that I help work with or lead, don't be a jerk wearing a uniform. Be nice. Be helpful. Don't be rude. Be kind. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated. Answer their question. Don't give them the runaround. If you can help them, help them. Be nice. And this is what Paul is talking to the pastors about. He gives some examples in Acts chapter 20 of what a life well lived looks like. A life that preaches. He gives some examples of what a life that preaches looks like. And I'm only going to talk about three. There's more. Maybe today you can look through Acts chapter 20 and find the more. Maybe I'm not even going to talk about the one that you think is most important. The way to live your life that gives God a good name. A life that preaches. The first one, I think, uh, a key to genuine Christianity that Paul talks about, we can read it in verse 19. He says, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. That in the, at, at the very core, Paul's life spoke of servitude. He served others as his first priority was serving the Lord. And that has to be true for us. We can't serve just because it's the right thing to do, and it is. But we serve because Christ is a servant. Because He came to give His life. Because He did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. And if our Lord is a suffering servant, then His followers should be servants as well. And it shouldn't take very much to convince you of this. We should serve. And it goes against everything that our world says. Because once you get status, once you get position, once you get power, once you get in the right spot, then you let people serve you. That's not the case with Christians. Christians serve. Serve the Lord, serve others. With humility. Humility. What, what does a humble person look like? And why is it so attractive? Compare it to arrogant, cocky, humble, merciful servant. It speaks volumes. And it stands out. It's bold letters, capitalized, highlighted. Humility speaks of Jesus in a culture where it's very, very rare. And I guess it was rare there, too. He served. He was humble. And what I got out of this with tears through tests, it's very easy 
at times and very tempting to disconnect emotionally. Turn it off. To not feel. To not walk in the shoes of the homeless. To not sit in the seat of the hungry. To not feel the hate of racism. To not engage with classism. It's very easy to turn it off. To be emotionally unavailable. To be unaware intentionally. But that's not what Paul did with tears because I cared. Because I, I, I love you. Because you mean something to me. You're more than just... He wasn't keeping a of all the conversions. He wasn't keeping just a journal of all the conversions. These were people. He cared about them. And so he made himself emotionally available. And that's harder to do than to be emotionally disconnected. No matter how tempting it is, we've got to fight to stay emotionally connected. To feel the feels, even when they suck. There are times I would rather not feel. But that's not what we're taught, and it's not what's right. And we've got to fight against it. In, in the fire service, uh, you learn a lot about people when they're put under pressure. You learn a lot about yourself when you're put under pressure. And I think Paul's also saying, listen, you saw me tested you saw me bending. You saw, you saw me with the weight on. You saw the attacks. You, you, you saw how I acted in that. You saw, you saw what I did. I think genuine Christianity serves the Lord first. Genuine Christianity is humble. It's emotionally connected. And it takes on the trials. Because you're not alone. Secondly, I think authentic Christianity can be seen very, very clearly here in verse 20. When it says, both publicly and privately, I didn't hesitate to preach every topic that would be helpful. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the opportunity, whether it was just us two or all y'all, we, we were talking about the Lord. And not just, not just the fun topics, not just the easy ones, the hard ones. And as churches, we need to engage with the hard topics. There's not a playbook necessarily for it. And it's messy. We're not all going to agree. But we all need to be kind under Christ to one another as we try to work out with wrestling and the Holy Spirit, Spirit's guidance what the Bible is saying about difficult topics. We can't just skip pages because they're uncomfortable and they don't match up with our culture or our personal thoughts. Christians follow Christ. Christians value the Bible as God's holy words to be wrestled with, engaged with, and obeyed. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's necessary. Paul showed his authenticity by no matter where he was and whatever the circumstance, he was preaching not just topics that were fun, in his, like, his, his, his pet little sermons, his favorite little topics, this one time in Troas. He, was, he wasn't talking just about that. 
every topic. We've got to be, if the Bible talks about it, we need to be willing to talk about it. And embrace the tension. We don't vilify people because they disagree with us. We don't other people because they disagree with us. We engage. Christ is Lord. He's the boss. He's the king. We submit to him. Let's figure this out together. What does this mean? One of the things that we value in a church is a pathway of faith. That we all believe that faithfulness in Jesus Christ is a walk. It's not a spot. I've come to righteousness. No, I'm on the pathway of faith. And everybody jumps on that pathway at different places on the path. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be willing to walk with people or to jump up front with people or get behind with people and talk about what they're talking about. Engaging with these holy scriptures. I think Paul shows that his Christianity was real and that his life preached because he shared the gospel with everybody. He didn't pick favorites. He didn't go just to the Jews and he didn't go just to the Greeks. He went to both of them. Even that time a couple weeks ago when we talked about Paul shaking the dust off and, you know, Jews and all this, and I'm going to the Greeks, there's, it's only a few verses later that he's back talking to the Jews again because he loves people, because he loves them. Is there somebody that's not worthy of the gospel in your life? Is there somebody that's not even worth it talking to them because there's no way they're going to believe? No. Write them off. Forget them. Go somewhere else because there's no way this person will believe. Paul didn't believe that because he was that. He was the one that no one thought would ever turn to Christ. Ever. A couple chapters ago, I think in 19, when the leader of the synagogue gave his life to Christ, no one saw that coming. Challenge you all. If there's somebody that you've written off, write them back in. And don't think that you're a Christian because you're all that. And you didn't, you didn't need anybody to go very far for you. The love of the Lord is for everyone. And no one is outside of the loving grace of Jesus Christ. Everyone. Everyone can be saved and have a place at the table of the Lord. No matter what I think. I also love this because we don't have to dumb down the gospel there are things that are okay in God's eyes, and there are things that aren't. There's things that are righteous and things that are sinful. There's things that are good and things that are bad. And as Christians, we all need to have the perspective as we're on this pathway trying to find faith in God, compelling each other to obedience. And it's not easy. Some obedience is easier for some than it is for others. Some things come out of us kicking and screaming. We don't want to stop doing this illicit thing. We don't want to stop doing this sinful thing. We want to keep doing this or whatever. And the challenge, if you've gotten past that, the challenge is to go there and walk with them and say, I've been there. Not to look down on them and say, what are you doing down there? None of us are above mistakes. So none of us can be above repentance. No matter how big of a deal you are or how embarrassing it might be, we've got to admit when we make mistakes. 
That's repentance. Well, that's confession. Repentance is choosing to change the behavior. You ever heard somebody say, oh, I know it's not right, but it's just what I do? Maybe you felt that way. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but this is what I'm doing. Y'all, that ain't good. We need to admit. We need to confess. We need to change and repent. The other thing that I thought this week is that Acts chapter 20, verse 18 can really, be, can really sound arrogant if you let it. He passes by Ephesus because he didn't want to spend that much time there. So he says to the elders, uh, hey, why don't you guys come down here with me? It's just 36 miles. Aren't I worth it? Because I got some things I want to tell you. And listen, y'all, you, you know how I lived when I was with you, right? You know how I lived. Y'all need to live like me. I think it's, I think you, I think it could sound arrogant. And I, I want to challenge us with, it, it wasn't arrogant. Uh, it was dedicated. It wasn't arrogant. It was confident. It wasn't arrogant. It was determined and it was committed. Because Paul said, you can even look at my life if you want to know how to live for the Lord. I'm willing to open up every bedroom. I'm willing to have my phone unlocked. I'm willing to not delete my click history. I'm willing to let it all be out there for everybody to see. You know how I lived my life. That's integrity, not arrogance. I think that's backed up with some verses. These are words that Paul wrote as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit that I think helped, well, it helped remind me that this wasn't arrogance talking. This was a committed Christian who said, I'm in this all the way. I also want to say, Paul wasn't perfect. We don't worship and pray to Paul. He didn't die for us, and he wasn't raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was, and he's our Savior. Paul was not perfect, and he had to repent. He had to confess. He had to apologize. But he also said, I'm willing to let my life be an example. And as long as I'm following Christ, do what I'm doing. In Galatians, he said, I've been crucified. This doesn't sound like an arrogant person to me. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Philippians chapter 1, for to me, for, for to, me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That doesn't sound arrogant to me. And in verse 24 of our opening today, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Can we commit to living a life that teaches and testifies to our complete faith in Jesus Christ? Can we live a life and teach and testify that it speaks of the awesome goodness of God? Not that I'm perfect, but I'm forgiven. Not that I know everything, but I know one thing. And I'm on this path with the Lord. Not that, not that I'm above this, but I've chosen to not do this. You got me? That's different. 
our theme for next year that we're going to be talking about more and more and more is to let them, let people, let my family, let my wife and kids, let the youth group, let this church, let this street, let my coworkers, let the, the cashier, the people I'm driving next to, let them see Jesus in me. Let them see Jesus in us. To be willing to put our lives out there, admittedly, un, imperfectly, Say, listen, y'all, I'm on this path with the Lord. And I want to live a life that teaches and testifies to the awesomeness of God. My faith in Jesus Christ. When the message matches the messenger, the love of Jesus is more believable. When the message matches the messenger, it's easier to accept Scripture. When the message matches the, me- the messenger, it's easier to be honest that I need help. Humility, emotional availability, no favoritism, walking in people's shoes, feeling the feels, going to everywhere, in any situation, you say, my life can be an example because my life is given to the Lord. May we live lives that teach and testify to our complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And may we live lives that teach and testify that our God is an awesome God. Father in heaven, may the words of our mouth and even the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Lord, if there's someone here that needs prayer, if there's someone here that is going through it, if someone here that needs to confess a sin, repent, change their ways, if there's someone here that wants to give their life to Christ, if there's someone here that wants to have a Bible study or to say, man, is this stuff even trustworthy? Or, boy, how'd you even get to that? Or, man, can I just talk to you for a second? I mean, I'm in it. If there's something that this church can do for somebody, Lord God, put it on their heart to ask. This time of prayer, this time of quiet, this time of confession, reflection, we give it to you, Lord God. May you be the one that we kneel to only. Holy Father, Lord Jesus, our holy and dwelling Holy Spirit, may you be the only one that we bow to and worship. In Jesus' name, amen.